Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. to everyone. Oh, there we go. Thank you, third service. I know you wouldn't disappoint me. It's great to see all of you guys today. Obviously, I am not Pastor Justin. I am uh, Stephen. My wife, Bailey, and I are missionaries. Bailey is not here in third service. She was here in second service, and she has a booth set up at Affair of the Heart this weekend, and she is selling her purses and handbags. So, if you feel like battling 20,000 women to go uh, bar, buy one of them, that's up to you, right? Um, but she did say to tell everybody, I love them and I'm praying for them. So there we go. I have now communicated on behalf of my wife that she loves you and she's praying for you, all right? So um, we're, we're really uh, pumped to be with you guys today. And as you just heard in that video, Pastor Michael uh, was talking to us about the Grow class. And that's actually the direction that we want to go for this service today. Um, I love that phrase that he said there right at the end of the video where he said, we're trying to make discipleship a lifestyle and not just a label, right? And so this is a culture that we're trying to create and set up here at FC where the expectation is that everyone will grow, okay? And so that's why we called this uh, class, the Grow Class. And so just to uh, set this up, we're going to look at John chapter 21, one of my uh, favorite passages of scripture. And we're gonna pick this up, John chapter one, verses 15 through 22, okay? John 21, 15 through 22. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was now grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? So when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man over here? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what's that to you? You follow 
me. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's eternally anointed and that you're going to impact our words, our lives through your words. In Jesus' name we pray together. And all God's people said, amen. So we're talking about grow and specifically next steps, okay? Grow, next steps. I know that's not a very uh, advanced title and some of us in the room prefer more academically oriented titles. So I also came up with Ecclesiastical Interdisciplinary Spiritual Formation for Personalized Pneumatic Transformation. But that's only for uh, certain select individuals sitting on the front row. So we'll leave it at that. Um, The title for the rest of us is Grow Next Steps. Does that work for everybody? Okay, fantastic. So there's a story from Italy that says, in a town in Italy, a tourist eager to know about history in that particular village approached an old man sitting on a bench and asked him a question. He said, excuse me, sir, were any famous people ever born in this village? The old man didn't even look up before he responded, no, we have never had any famous people born here, only babies. (laughs) Some of you will get that here in a second. Now, can I suggest this morning that what is true in the physical is also true in the spiritual? By that, I mean that there is no such thing as a Christian superhero, okay? Um, Someone who's always fully mature, spiritually vibrant, just seems to never have any issues or challenges in their life. The so-called perfect follower of Christ is a myth. Sorry to disappoint you, but they don't exist, okay? There's not this um, hierarchy of levels where you're a missionary, so you're somewhere spiritually up here, and I'm just kind of somewhere down here on the peon rank in, rank in terms of the kingdom of God. Um, that doesn't exist. What does exist are followers of Christ who are committed to taking next steps so that they can continue to grow in the purpose that God has for their lives, right? And so this looks like embracing God's wholehearted Uh, purpose for their lives, and with the Spirit's help, implementing what the next step is that the Spirit is asking them to take. Now, we sometimes use a spiritualized word to refer to this as the discipleship process. What is a discipleship process? Well, it's a disciple. What is a disciple? It's a learner or follower of Christ who has made a decision to take next steps in living out what God is asking for their lives. Authentic discipleship always requires next steps from us, okay? And next steps always require us to change. So here at Foundations, if you've been coming for a week or if you've been coming for several years, we have one of our core values, which is simply this, growing equals changing. This is the fundamental concept behind discipleship. It's the fundamental concept behind growing, that at some point as you interface with the Word of God, with what He's asking you to do, you begin to take specific steps so that you grow, and that growth always looks like change. Years ago, I read a quote that helped me understand this idea a little bit uh, better. It's from uh, Max Lucado. He says it this way, God loves you just the way that you are, but He absolutely refuses to leave you that way. Can I say it again? God loves you just the way that you are, but he absolutely refuses to leave you that way. Jesus has a purpose for each life. Romans 8, 29 is very clear on this. Paul tells us he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So if you are born again in this place today, if you have acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then God had a destiny already planned out for you long before you ever showed up at Foundations Church, and that destiny was that you would become more like Jesus. 
And as you become more like Jesus, what we're talking about is you're becoming more like his character. You are representing him more authentically to the people around you. It also speaks of Christ's mission. So you are using your gifts, you're leveraging your talents, you're investing your time and treasure in such a way that Jesus is made famous, right? Did you know that if you're born again in this place that you have a destiny? Now, I would suggest today that this purpose, this destiny is so much more than just getting saved, all right? In America, we make a big deal off of the idea of, you know, you need to respond and give your life to Jesus, and that's important, but that's not the end game, okay? That's just step number one, all right? In other words, if the purpose of Christ was just to save people, then why not, after they were saved, just promote them directly to heaven so that they wouldn't have the opportunity to backslide, right? It'd be a whole lot easier. You would have to, have to deal with all kinds of mess that Christians create because they live a life that is not in alignment with God's word, right? So the idea is that if you're alive here today, then there is a purpose and a destiny, and that destiny is that you are called to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. So at FC, we're committed not only to introducing people to Jesus, which is vitally important, but we are also committed to help every person who identifies as a follower of Christ to grow in that discipleship process. So hopefully, you've been paying attention the last few weeks here at FC. We've had it in videos. Pastor Justin has been talking about it in different messages. We've been alluding to this idea of the grow class. Hopefully that's not brand new newsflash to people, okay? So what exactly are we talking about? Well, we're gonna walk through some slides here. FC Grow, a place for new believers to find next steps. Now, I, the only thing I would change about this slide is it's not just for new believers, okay? Because there's people who have been walking with Christ for many years who need to take some additional next steps. All right, and as we look at this class together and this curriculum together, it is going to be uh, very helpful to us in making sure that we are on track with everything that God has for us. So it's gonna start August 4th, 10 a.m., so that would be second service. And the way that we've set it up is we are going to do one class per Sunday of the month, okay? So first Sunday of August, this is gonna start, and there'll be session one and session two but if you're not here the first Sunday of August, that doesn't mean that you can't participate because we will offer the class again the first Sunday of September and again the first Sunday of October. So the idea is that even though you may miss one of the four at any particular point, just pick it back up in the sequence the following month or a month following down you know, the road. I hope that makes sense. So session one, our growth story. Who is FC? What's God doing at FC? How can you be a part of what God's doing at FC? Session two, God's growth story. We look through uh, the Bible, starting from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We uh, outline God's redemptive purposes throughout Scripture so that people understand, we understand the Word of God together. Session three, the growth cycle. Now, this is where we're going to camp out today, so I'll get there in point two. So I'll come back to this in a moment. Session four is a personal spiritual growth plan, all right? So every person is at a different place in their walk with Christ, right? So this isn't just a one-size-fits-all. This is, what is Jesus saying to me right now, and how do I make a corresponding plan of action so that I'm implementing what he is asking me to do? Pastor Justin says it all the time, but information without application produces no transformation. In other words, today's message and this class is gonna be content-heavy, okay? There's lots of notes. I encourage you to take notes. But if all I do is stand up here and communicate ideas to you, but there's no specific steps that correspond to the information that you're receiving, it's not going to benefit you, right? So we want to encourage every follower of Christ to look for application in their life. 
Freedom to grow, session six. One of the things that Bailey and I find so often is that believers understand that they're called, that they have a purpose, but because of some kind of besetting sin, they just can't ever seem to get any traction in their walk with Christ, okay? Session seven, grow in community. How do we experience vital discipleship, life-giving communities around us? Session eight, grow in mission. What is the mission that God has for you? What is the mission he is accomplishing here at FC, and how can you connect the two together, okay? So that's the brief overview of what we, where we're going. Um, the way that this came about, I met with Pastor Justin in January and said, what can we do to help people take the next step? Because many of you have come to me and you said, hey, Steve, I, I love the Lord. I love what God's doing at FC, but I don't really know what the next thing for me is. And so I took the curriculum from three churches that are doing a really, really good job of discipling, and then I customized it for FC, and we came up with this. I'm not saying it's the best discipleship material out there, but I believe it is good discipleship material, and that if you'll be faithful and consistent to walk through it, I promise you're going to grow in your walk with Christ, okay? So that starts again the first Sunday of August. So back to our passage here, as we're talking about disciples and growing and these kind of different concepts. Um, This is one of my favorite passages because I want to look at John 21 and focus on one of my favorite characters, Peter, all right? I love Peter because he's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's always making a mess of everything, and then sometimes he gets it really, really right, and it's like, I really identify with this guy, okay? And so I want to develop four quick insights on discipleship, four quick principles on what it looks like to grow uh, in your walk with Christ. And so I came up with an acronym, GR. O-W, that correspond to the four points. So the first one that we want to look at here is get hungry, all right? Get hungry corresponds to G, get hungry. Did you notice in this passage something interesting with me? When Jesus is talking to Peter, he keeps asking him this question, do you love me? And then he gives him specific instructions. Verse 15, feed my lambs. Verse 16, tend my sheep. The Greek here actually implies the idea of giving pasture for food, okay? Verse 17, he's back to feed my sheep. Now, this, this is not rocket science, okay? I don't claim to be a rocket scientist. Uh, but did you notice that Jesus is underlying the importance of spiritual appetite in the life of a believer? When he says, follow me, or he says, feed my sheep. How many of you realize that he's not talking about livestock, okay? When we go to Maasai land, where we're putting in most of the churches with FC, they measure their wealth in terms of cows. So some of these people have 50 cows, 100 cows. They're all about livestock, all right? When Jesus is talking about feed my sheep here in this passage, he's not saying that he has a herd of sheep that he keeps outside of Jerusalem that he feeds in his pastime, or when he's not on the the clock, okay? Rather, he's talking about disciples, right? He's talking about believers. He's talking about people that are in this process of saying we want to grow in our walk with Christ. Now, here's the question for you, okay? Do you force feed livestock? In other words, do you grab a bull around the neck and give him a good, you know, barrel lock or headlock and then grab some foliage and say, open up your mouth, Mr. Bull, and then you like pull his, pry his teeth apart and then you take the foliage and you go, and stuff it down his throat. Is that a good idea? Probably not. You're probably not gonna live to talk, talk to us about it next Sunday, right? Um, And I know that's a goofy analogy, but a healthy animal will desire to eat. Can I suggest, spiritually speaking, that a healthy Christian will also desire to grow in their relationship with Christ? Um, One of the first things that a good doctor will do during any appointment is he'll ask you about your appetite. 
Why? Because one of the surest signs of physical sickness is a lack of appetite. Bailey and I both got uh, food poisoning on the way back from Kenya. Uh, food poisoning from Kenya is not good, but what's even worse is food poisoning when it hits on an eight and a half, half hour flight from Nairobi to Paris, okay? And I'm just gonna tell you, trust me on this one, you don't wanna experience this. They upgraded us to the toilet seat, right? It's not the seat, that, it's not the kind of upgrade that you're looking for on a flight. And so the stewardess is wondering like, where did that tall skinny guy go? Because he's been in the bathroom for hours. But when you have uh, food poisoning, and so one of the first things that happened is I noticed I didn't have an appetite for days. Now, as most of you are probably already aware with my sleek physique and how big my muscles are, that when I don't eat for three days, uh, it's problems, right? And so I lost eight pounds in like five days because I couldn't keep anything down. And all of you are now going to want to sign up and go on a mission trip with us. <laughs> and so I, I, by the time I got back to Tulsa, like you could have blown on me and I'd have like fallen to the ground because my appetite was completely gone. I wasn't eating. I was weak. I was lethargic. I was apathetic. And can I suggest today that having no appetite is dangerous? Now, let's break this analogy on a little bit more. What if you... Identify your favorite restaurant in Tulsa, okay? So for Pastor Justin, it's Burn Co. Uh, for some of you, it might be, I don't know, El Guapo's or Charleston's or whatever it is. Just whatever restaurant, keep that in the back of your mind. I know this is dangerous for third service because you're all ready to bolt for the door and be like, food, get me out of here, right? But imagine that you saved up your money so that once a week you went to this restaurant and you went all out. I mean, you ordered the appetizers, you got the entrees, you got your favorite dishes, you got the drinks that you like, you got the dessert, and I mean, you just tanked on this food to the point where you couldn't eat another bite. You walk away from the restaurant. You don't eat anything Sunday night because you're too full. Monday comes around. You're like, yeah, I just don't think I'm going to eat on Monday. Tuesday comes around. You don't eat anything. Wednesday, you don't eat anything. Thursday, you don't eat anything. Friday, you take a couple, I don't know, tortilla chips or something. Saturday, half an apple. And then by the time Sunday rolls around, you're ready to go gorge yourself again. Probably not a healthy model, right? In fact, what would happen is you'd be so weak and emaciated that you wouldn't be able to handle the scrumptious feast that came on Sunday. Can I suggest today that Christians all over the world seem to lack a hunger to pursue the discipleship process and that the description that I just gave you in terms of the restaurant plays out all the time when it comes to our spiritual walk with Christ. We show up on Sunday morning here at FC and Ju Pastor Justin preaches. And let me just pause right here and say the man can preach. Bailey and I, we associate this as our home church. We're usually here about eight Sundays out of the year. I've never walked out of the back doors of Foundations Church and gone, man, that was so boring. I didn't get anything out of that today. What a useless message. What is that guy even talking about? I mean, what in the world? What a waste of time. That's never happened. Because he brings a game, right? He, he, he tells these funny stories that if I were to tell them, you guys would be like, ah, and he uses some goofy voice and everybody's laughing and then all of a sudden, wham, he brings a spiritual application, right? However, feeding yourself once a week is never going to be sufficient if you're going to be able to last this spiritual battle that we call life, right? So we look at this and it's interesting, years later, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he's writing, he says this, he says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow. Notice that word grow in your salvation. So Peter's saying, if you want to grow as a believer, if you want to grow in your walk with Christ, if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to accomplish his mission and his purpose, then there has to be some kind of a corresponding spiritual appetite 
and a spiritual hunger that says, Lord, I want to participate in this process. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5, verse 6, one of my favorite verses. He said, blessed are the hunger. Blessed are those that thirst. Why? Because they will be filled. The awesome thing about getting hungry for God is that God hunger always finds God. Right? When, you, when, you, when you start to say, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, I'm a part of, I want to grow, I want to I, I be a part of this, the Lord will honor that hunger. Now, oftentimes when I talk about discipleship, you know, or this idea of feeding yourself spiritually or growing, people make an excuse, and usually the excuse is the same one. It's this idea that I don't have time to be concerned with my spiritual appetite Monday through Saturday. It's the pastor's responsibility on Sunday morning. We just use the analogy, like that wouldn't work naturally. If you only ate once a week, you'd be as skinny as me, and nobody wants that, right? Um, But let's just look at this time thing just very briefly. In 2017, the average American watched three hours and 58 minutes of television every day. So you add that up yearly, that's 1,460 hours a year. So 24 hours in a day, you divide 1,460 by 24. There, that basically means that we are spending 60 solid days a year watching television, okay? Or social media consumption. 2018, the average American spent 136 minutes a day, that's two and a quarter hours on social media. That correlates to 865 hours a year or one solid month, all right? Now, please hear me. I love social media. Any of you that follow me on Instagram or follow Bailey on Instagram in particular, she does these awesome Instagram stories and people come up and they're like, man, that was so awesome when you did that. And I'm like, I didn't even know she had the camera on, right? So I'm not, I'm not criticizing social media or television. I'm pointing out the, this idea that if we have three solid months of the year where we do nothing but gorge ourselves on media, how is it that we don't have time to dedicate ourselves to something vitally important, i.e. the grow process of discipleship, right? And so I, I, you may have heard this, but what, I like to say what you consume, you eventually develop a hunger for, right? And so it may look like, hey, I don't really have a hunger for God or his word right now. Well, what you consume, what you begin to feed on is what actually begins to give you that desire and that hunger to consume more of it. Uh, when Pastor Justin and I first went to Maasai land where all the cows are, um, it was during the worst drought that Kenya's had in like 20 years. And there were cattle that were dying all over the place because all the grass had gone, all the trees were gone, the rivers dried up. And so you had all these animals that hadn't eaten in like multiple months. And at some point, they would just collapse on the side of the road. I say road very loosely. It's just a path through the middle of the bush, okay? Don't think like road. Don't think too much into it, right? So, and we'd be driving along, and there's a dead cow, there's a dead goat, and the Maasai are just devastated because that's their livelihood. That's their, that's how they measure their status in society is how much livestock that they have. Meanwhile, the wild animals, the lions, the jackals, the vultures, the cheetahs, the hyenas, they're like rejoicing because it's like buffet land, right? Um, and the point is simply this, that when you don't eat, at some point, you can no longer resist the predators that come in life. And I would just suggest today that if we're going to get really serious about this idea of grow, there has to be a spiritual hunger inside of us that says, Lord, I need to consume your word. I need to be in your presence. I need to be challenged so that I have the spiritual strength and capacity to resist the enemy and everything that he would try to bring against me in my walk with Christ. So growing looks like getting hungry. So here's the question. How are you using the 35 to 50 hours of free time you have each week to feed your walk with Christ. And if you don't know, then I'm suggesting that the Grow class is awesome for you because it's gonna provide specific steps where you are going to be able to make this really, really practical. Point number two, R, okay? So we talked about G, 
get hungry. Point two, our respond specifically. Respond specifically. Verses 19 and 22 here um, are great verses because Jesus gives Peter some very clear directions. He says, follow me, and then he says, you must follow me. Now, we've all probably heard a message about follow me, and I've never actually heard someone say, nah, I don't really want to follow Jesus. I'm not really interested in that. Now, they may go out and live that way with their life, but I've never heard anyone verbalize like, I don't want to follow Jesus, not interested, right? Um, And rather, most people go, yeah, sure, I want to follow Jesus, but there's something more than good intentions involved if we are going to actually follow Jesus, right? Jesus isn't stagnant or lifeless. So when he says, hey, follow me, he's not a statue. Follow me. Rather, what I found in my walk with Christ is that Jesus is always on the move. He's always doing something. He's always moving in my heart. He's moving in somebody else's heart. He's wanting my life to connect with them. And so what looks like this idea of this invitation to follow me is really an invitation to try and keep up with him because he's always on the move. He's always, he's always accomplishing his father's business. So if we're really going to follow Jesus, then discipleship looks like specific next steps that we have to take to keep up with him. So please hear me today. There's always a next step. I've never met a Christian who's like, I have arrived. I have no more room to grow. I don't need to grow because I am superhuman, superhero, spiritual, whatever, right? That doesn't exist. What does exist is people saying, Lord, I want to take the next step. So this goes back to that idea of application. We are called to grow. Now, before we look at the specific next steps that we've set up or outlined here in uh, the GROW curriculum, I want to use this plant next to me as a metaphor because I believe Christians are a lot like plants, all right? So obviously, the first problem that we have with this plant is that he's not a real plant, okay? So I need you to use your imagination and pretend that he is a real plant, and let's say that this plant corresponds to Christian A, whoever that may be, and this plant wants to grow, okay? Desires to grow. Now, what does this plant need to, in order for it to grow? Encouragement, maybe? You know? So maybe we can encourage the plant today. Come on, plant. You want to grow? Come on, buddy. You want to do this? Come on, help me. Don't make me do this by myself. It's really embarrassing. Come on. Come on, plant. Grow, grow. Come on. Yeah, you want to do this? Come on. Let's grow. Did that help the plant grow at all? No, it sure didn't. Well, maybe instead of encouragement, maybe we need correction, right? Maybe we need correction. So, hey, Mr. Plant, you need to stop looking at all the other cute carnations and pretty petunias out there in the lobby. What are you doing? You've got to be an example and a model. You're just, like, compromising. Does that, does that help the plant grow? No, it doesn't. What about, let's say, church attendance, right? Hey, you need to go to church every Sunday. You need to be there, and you need to, like, participate. Did you know this, this plant actually lives in this church? He's been here for years. Actually, the last time I saw him, he was this exact same size, right? So church attendance hasn't helped this guy out one little bit. Now, look, listen, I'm not knocking church attendance because church attendance can be vital. But if you just come here and fold your arms and say, come on, Pastor Justin, come on, Pastor Steve, preach a good word, make me laugh, entertain me, you're not necessarily going to grow. You can come week after week after week after week, but until application is brought to information, that's when the transformation takes place. So we're challenging you to grow, right? The plant only needs to do one thing to grow. He has to be planted. I know that's not like rocket science. Once planted, the the commitment the plant has to make is that every day the plant takes specific steps to grow the roots deeper. And that's really what grow is all about, is how can we help you facilitate your roots in Christ growing deeper? 
Now, this is the crux of the grow class, all right? So we're gonna throw up this model here. Let me, before we look at it, just say this. There are multiple models of discipleship out there. If you Google it, you'll get pages of it. We went with this one because most discipleship models have some kind of a pyramid or they have some kind of a ladder effect where someone's like, well, I'm at level three, but I forgot to read my Bible today, so then I fall all the way back down to level one, and now I feel like a loser, and I'm less than a Christian, so I just give up completely and don't even want anything to do with it, okay? So I, we love this one because it's a circle, right? And circles are cool because you start up there and you can go all the way around and you just keep going all the way around, all right? And so this is neat to me because it removes this concept of a hierarchy of spiritual people where somebody's, I'm at the top and you're at the bottom. No, we're all in this together. We're all works in progress. We're all disciples. We're all following Jesus. We all have next steps that we have to take. The Lord will show you what those next steps are. Your next steps are different than my next steps. But as sure as you and I are here today, we both have next steps that we need to implement in our life with Christ, right? So we start with the gospel. The gospel's in the center of this model. What is the gospel? The life, death, and burial of Jesus Christ. Whenever the gospel is preached, Paul tells us that people hear that faith is awakened in their heart. They have the opportunity to respond and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, right? The gospel is powerful. The gospel transforms people. And so Pastor Justin did a fantastic job of preaching on the first step up there last week, repent, right? Repent is this idea that, hey, I was going one way, I heard the gospel message, I stopped, I turned completely around from the old life that I was going, and now I'm following Christ, right? Pastor Justin made it pretty clear last week, it's not just that, hey, I want forgiveness, but I'm going to keep doing the same thing that I've always been doing. That doesn't work. That's not biblical, right? Repentance is biblical, and the gospel gives us and calls us, um, enables us so that we can actually make that 180-degree turn by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So that's repent. Then from repent, you move to abide. At some point, you're going to realize, if you haven't already, that you don't have the strength to live out the Christian life in your own power, right? And so that's where this idea of abiding, of remaining in Christ, staying in Christ, becomes vitally important. And we talk about different spiritual disciplines in the class that you can implement so that it can be easier for you to abide and remain in Christ so that your life will bear much fruit. We move around to the community idea. Someone told me when I was 21 years old, Steve, show me the five people that you are closest to and I'll show you who you will become in five years. And I thought, what is this dude talking about? You gotta be kidding me. And I would say outside of the Bible, that is the most honest gospel truth that I have ever heard in my entire life. Show me the people that you're hanging out with and I'll show you who you're becoming. Intention is not enough. There are specific action steps that say, you know what, there could be people that you're associating with that you're trying to go to that next level and they're pulling you back down. And you're like, Lord, I wanna live free. Jesus, I, God, I wanna live, right? You get the idea. And so the importance of having a discipling community around you, people that are challenging you, people that are spurring you on, people that are motivating you and pushing you towards becoming everything that God's called you to. We go to multiply. I love the multiply concept. Jesus calls everyone to be a disciple, no exceptions. And then Jesus calls every disciple to go re reproduce themselves, right? And for some people, they're like, whoa, that sounds really intimidating. Come on, take the class. We're gonna show you how you can do this, how you can begin to walk out specific steps so that you can take everything, all the goodness, the blessings, the, the transformation that Jesus has been accomplishing in your life, and then you can go and live that out with other people and use, your life can make an impact in their lives, right? And then mission. Mission is obviously not just being a missionary, but mission is this idea that we all have a purpose that's connected to his ultimate mission. He's at work in the world. How do your time, talents, and treasure connect to that mission, and how 
can you use them in such a way so that the mission of Jesus gets more and more momentum as more and more people participate in what God's calling them to? And the cool thing is, is it's a cycle because you don't ever come to the place where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Like, I, I, my life, I, I've seen aspects of all of these, and yet there's times when I read the Gospels and I see the Gospel of Christ again up close and personal, and I'm like, oh, man, there's an area of my life I gotta go back and repent because it's not in agreement with what God's word says. And there's areas of my life where I gotta abide more because I need Christ's life because I recognize that my power is not enough to implement this, okay? So this is the grow cycle concept and then the lesson that follows it is we challenge you to develop your own growth plan that says this is the step that I need to take in order to go to the next step that Jesus is asking me to, all right? So that's our this idea that we respond specifically. And then, oh, I love this here in this passage, overcome besetting sin. We looked at verses 15 through 17 and the questions that Jesus asks Peter. Uh, it's very interesting. One of the major challenges for every disciple is overcoming besetting sin. Now, I use that word besetting. That's a funny English word. Let's use a different word, signature sin, okay? If I spend enough time with you, it would probably take some time because you could hide it. But at some point, I'm going to find your signature sin. And likewise, this isn't a top-down kind of thing. You spend enough time with me, you're going to find my signature sin. And by that, I mean the pattern of sin, the things in my life that cause me to fall on my face before God that I continually have to run back to him and depend on him for his grace, right? In other words, none of us are perfect. And so what I find is so many believers begin to operate in their gifts. They begin to find their talents. And then there's this one particular besetting sin or maybe a cluster of sins. And it's like they have this invisible clutch on the person's life. And they want to grow. They want to move forward with God. And the thing just keeps pulling them back down. And they fall on their face, right? And I think that's what's going on here in this passage. Because Jesus is talking to Peter. And he's like, listen, you're going to feed my sheep. You're going to tend my lambs. You're going to feed my sheep. What's Jesus doing? He's calling forth the purpose that's in Peter's life. And we know as we read through Acts, like Peter is going to feed the sheep. Like this man is going to be the pillar of the church in Jerusalem. He's going to stand up and preach the word. 3,000 people are going to get saved in the day of Pentecost. He's going to walk into the gate called Beautiful. There's a crippled guy there. Peter's going to look at him and say, silver, gold, I don't have, but what I do have, boom, the guy gets healed. He goes jumping and leaping into the temple. People are like, whoa, they respond, give their lives to Jesus. Acts chapter five, Peter goes back down to the streets of Jerusalem. The Bible says his shadow is falling on sick people and they're getting healed. I'm like, what kind of an anointing did this man walk in, all right? Now, it's awesome, but Jesus knew all of that was coming and Jesus knows what's coming for your life. Look, I believe God doesn't just think in terms of 24-hour increments. I think he's looking at your life, he's looking at your family and he's going, there's purpose five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. That's why what you're doing right now, even though it may seem mundane and ordinary, has eternal consequences because Jesus is the master chess player, right? And when he says, follow me, he's setting things up down the road where your life is gonna have impact on people's lives, on things that you can't even imagine yet. However, Peter looks, Jesus looks at Peter and he goes, hey, what happened back there in the garden? Or not the garden, by the cross. You remember how many times Jesus, Peter denied Jesus? Three. Do you think it's any coincidence or accident that here Jesus asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Three times, three times. I don't think it's 
haphazard. I don't think it's accidental or coincidental. I think Jesus knew that if he was not intentional to address Peter's sin, Peter's signature sin at that particular moment, over here in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 4, at some point he would fall flat on his face, he would disgrace the name of Christ, and honestly, isn't that what we see happening in Christianity all over the world? God begins using people mightily and powerful, and they get some kind of, I don't know what, you know, concept about themselves, and then all of a sudden here comes their signature sin. Boom. And it causes all kinds of problems. And so I'm going to suggest today that the gospel is so powerful that the gospel can completely and totally set you free from signature sins. The gospel is so wonderful and so glorious that Jesus wants you to walk in total freedom so that you can be dynamic and effective to accomplish everything that he has for you and through your life. So this is this idea of, as I walk past our fake plan, (laughs) this is this idea of overcoming besetting sin. Peter's greatest failure didn't happen in a sudden moment. There was a progression involved. And likewise, in your life, your signature sin didn't just happen. This is at least how it works for me. When it comes to patterns of sin in my life, it usually starts with a thought. Then the thought goes into my heart as some kind of a desire, right? Then the desire correlates to some kind of action, Right? And then the action becomes a pattern of behavior in my life. And then the pattern of behavior begins to slowly shape my character. And so this idea of, hey, well, I thought Jesus forgave me my sins. Jesus does. When you ask, he forgives. But when we're talking about this idea of walking in freedom, it didn't happen overnight. And so Christ begins to come in this discipleship process and he begins to help us walk backwards so that he can totally tear down and dismember all of these things that have influenced and affected us so that we don't end up falling back on our face again. And if we do fall back on our face again, the awesome thing about that model is we get back up and we say, you know what, Lord, I repent once again because I desire to follow you and to grow. How many people want to grow this morning? I know I want to grow. I hope you're here in my heart. There's not a perfect super spiritual person out there. It's people who are committed to the daily grind that just keep getting back up and taking the next step. Grow in Christ and you will grow in freedom. Oh man, I'm so thankful for that. Finally, we wrap it up with this point here. W, watch your focus. Watch your focus, okay? This is verse 21. Um, I love this passage because it's almost humorous because Jesus is dealing with recurring sins and he's, he's like trying to help Peter overcome this because he knows the purpose and then Jesus launches the invitation, follow me. He releases a little bit of Peter's calling. Hey, Peter, you're gonna take care of my sheep. You're gonna tend my lambs. I mean, there's some awesome stuff going on in this passage and if I'm Peter and I've just denied Jesus just a few days earlier in the garden, uh, Matthew 28, when the servant girl comes up to him, do you were with him? We recognize you by your accent. And, Peter, the Bible says he began to call down curses on himself, right? All right, bleepity bleep, 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 don't know him, right? I would think in that moment, Peter, after having experienced so much grace, would look at Jesus and go, oh, Lord, thank you so much for a second chance and a third chance and a hundredth chance. Or maybe he would say, Jesus, help me to do this in your strength, not in my strength. Or Lord, I'm so grateful. No, that's not what he does. You know what he does? It's really funny because the Bible says that John was following right behind. So John's doing what Jesus has invited Peter to do. And Peter turns around and he looks at John and he says, Lord, what about that guy? What about him, Lord? I know you're speaking about me, but what about him? And I want to laugh because Peter's just like me and you. God's trying to do something powerful in my heart, in my life, and he's moving and I get more concerned and 
preoccupied with what God's doing on somebody else who's following him, right? And so I'd like to suggest this this morning, or this afternoon. (laughs) The enemy's favorite tactic to stop discipleship and to stop growing is not grotesque sin, okay? It's not that he's gonna cause you to go out there and, I don't know, do something really, really, really sinful and immoral. That's not his favorite favorite tactic. It's not that he brings full-on demonic onslaught. Rather, it's just simple distraction from your primary calling. Jesus says, follow me. Come on, follow me. What about him, Lord? What's he doing over there? How come he gets to do that? How come you're calling him and opening those doors for him? Lord, why aren't you doing that for me, right? This is the number one tactic that the enemy uses on believers' lives around the world, distraction. And in this case, it's comparison. And I would suggest that in a social media-rich day and age that we live in, it's never been easier to get distracted through comparison because you look at somebody else's life and you're like, whoa, God bless them with the perfect life and they don't have any problems yet because people are gonna post their problems on Facebook. No, they always give you the best impression of what's going on in their life, right? And so I'm just suggesting today that if we're gonna be intentional on this, we have to keep our eyes fixated on our primary calling. Our primary calling is to know and love Jesus and to grow in our walk with him. Our secondary calling flows from that. Being a husband, being a wife, a son, a daughter, our job, the way that Jesus uses our talent, all those things are important, but that's all secondary. Your primary calling is to know and love Jesus. I love how Tozer says this. He says, it's not that we don't want God. I've never met anyone who goes, I don't want God. I I mean, maybe there's atheists. I don't know. I've never really met anybody like that. It's that we have found things we want more than God. Right? This is distraction. How many of you don't want God in your life, right? Nobody's gonna raise their hands on that. But it's the, the, the enemy's tactic to keep us from growing is that we get so distracted on whatever it may be and your distraction's different than my distraction that we miss out on what God wants to do. So we close this message today. Some of you are like, wow, thank you. I'm under conviction. If you're under conviction, you don't like the message, send me an email at justingraves at foundationschurch.tv and I'll get back to you by the end of the decade, okay? Um, Notice with me that even with major recurring sin issues that Jesus did not disqualify Peter. Jesus could have said, you, dude, what were you thinking? You bonehead, how could you mess up so royally? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was intentional to walk with the, his disciple and to bring him to a place of healing, a place where maturity and spiritual growth could continue. Okay, so Jesus didn't disqualify him. Notice that the other disciples didn't dismiss Jesus in this passage. John didn't run up to Jesus and interrupt him and go, Jesus, are you kidding me? That guy, the guy who just betrayed you and the guy, he can't be your disciple. How's he gonna know? He didn't do that. Why? Because every one of the disciples had failed Jesus at some level, okay? Notice with me that Satan couldn't disqualify Peter in this passage, right? Jesus tells Peter in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. I love that verse because it shows me that Satan does not have authority over my life any more than he has authority over your life. Satan cannot pull you out of God's purpose. Jesus will not disqualify you from God's purpose. Other disciples cannot keep you from God's purpose. But there is one person in this passage who is not only competent but equipped to disqualify himself from accomplishing God's purpose for his life when it comes to grow. And that person is Peter. And so I would suggest today that the exact same thing is true for you and me. The only person that can keep you from growing is yourself. And so we're praying for you that your faith would not fail, that you would cooperate with God's plan to grow, 
that you would take next steps in your life. And again, these next steps in your life are different than my life. I don't know what your next step is. It may be that you need to step up and start serving. I'm gonna have sign up here in two weeks. It may be that you need to join a uh, connect group. It may be that you need to start giving faithfully of your finances. It may be that you need to, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's the spirit will lead you and that's the beautiful thing about growing with Jesus is he knows how to help each person grow individually according to his purpose. So my, my appeal to you today is that this is probably not the best discipleship material out there. The facilitators who are teaching are probably not the best facilitators in the world to teach because nobody's perfect. But what I will tell you is that if you will commit yourself to this process, if you will be faithful and diligent to walk through it, at the end of those four weeks, I believe you are going to gain information, content, and material that can be applied in your life so that you will grow and accomplish everything that Jesus desires for you to be. Can I invite you to stand this morning as we wrap up in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. Very simple word, but Lord, it's also a very practical, relevant word to each of our lives. I ask that by your spirit, you would speak to each life in this place today. Lord, you know the next steps that you are asking of us. And so what I pray is that we would have ears to hear what you are speaking. And I also pray that we would have courage and confidence to obey. Lord, there may be those that are in a relationship with somebody that they need to sever that relationship. That could be the next step. Lord, there are people that may need to start trusting you with their finances in terms of giving. Lord, whatever the situation, I pray that we would have courage to grow and that, Lord, we would remember and understand that it's not about intention necessarily, although hunger is important, but, Lord, specific steps of obedience. And, Lord, the outcome is just phenomenal of what you'll accomplish in our lives before we dismiss today. Is there anyone here today? Man, you have, you know that there's purpose for your life. God has called you. God wants all the best for you. You may be here. You do not know Jesus personally, or maybe you did know him at one point, but you've walked away from him. I just want to encourage you that today is a day for salvation. Today is a day for the gospel to come to your heart and to your life so that you can engage with Christ on this journey, this growth cycle, so that you can become everything that he has for you. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor Steve, that's me. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. But would you just slip up your hand so that I can uh, pray with you? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Can we just pray together before we close this out? Lord Jesus. Can everybody just pray this with me? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to me today. I receive your word. Lord, I want to hunger for you. I want to obey. I want to grow. Thank you for your spirit who gives me the strength that I need to walk this out. Thank you for forgiving me my sin. Thank you for the purpose you have for me. I receive your truth in Jesus' name. Lord, we just declare over every life here today that, Lord, the best days are coming ahead of them. Lord, no matter how dark or difficult it may have been up to this point, we declare and believe that, Lord, you are at work and that, Lord, as we surrender and submit to the discipleship process, you're going to accomplish something glorious and powerful and in through our lives. I bless my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name that they would go out of this place with renewed strength, renewed motivation, and that, Lord, those that you desire to be there in that grow class, that, Lord, it would be a phenomenally rich atmosphere and experience. And more than that, here at Foundations, we would develop a culture that says, you know what? 
what's your next step? This is my next step. And we would make it all about how we can help each other grow because, Lord, we know that growing equals changing, and you've called us to this. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.